0: I love the conversation I had with Claudia Miller. We talk extensively about the opportunities for having more diversity of thought in the room. Now, while her expertise is around diversity that women bring to a conversation, I don't want us to lose sight that really it is about bringing different perspectives in order to get a holistic view and a holistic solution to whatever the opportunities or challenges are. Now, the funny thing is I am working now with a client and there is not a lot of diversity in the room. And when I show up, I happen to be the only female, but I also happen to be the only one that has my own true perspectives and experiences. It's not good or bad, it's just different. And I want people to think about when you look around the room and look at the results you're getting for your particular team or business are you stuck? Maybe you need an outside influence, an outside perspective. It could be you need different demographics. It could be more male. It could be more female or any other way that you need to bring different thoughts to the table in order to get a different outcome. Claudia has many actionable tips for my female listeners, but I want people to listen to the main point is we need everybody to contribute to the conversations in order to navigate our careers and business challenges with confidence. Now let's listen to this amazing interview with Claudia Miller.
1: When there's usually all men in leadership, they're thinking from that perspective. When you bring in women into senior leadership roles, we know our pain points because we all have different pain points and challenges and all about business is solving pain points. It's bringing solutions so when you move more women into senior leadership roles now we're having different ideas to say well actually you know as a woman or here's kind of like the struggles we deal with why don't we continue maybe this additional price offering this additional product development or this add-on that can really help with this specific challenge of course we want to include diversity different thoughts but also at the end of the day it's just good business more women we bring in more revenue for businesses we bring more ideas we bring other aspects of solutions, product development that can go into the marketplace.
0: Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, Values and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of the Drop In CEO, and I am grateful you've joined us for another episode of this amazing podcast where I speak to leaders from all areas of life where they share their insights with you, and maybe inspire you. And so if you love this episode, and I know you will, please subscribe, rate, review, download. The downloads are ever-increasing. I am grateful. We want to continue to bring great programming. And just know on a personal note, I want to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. And today, it is my pleasure to bring on the show Claudia Miller, Who is a sought after career coach for women in tech. And she helps her clients land fulfilling jobs in less than 90 days with an average of 56% in salary increases. And she also partners with companies and organizations in identifying rising stars within their organizations and provides the strategy and insights to, to support developing a leadership and talent pipeline focusing on women and women of color. She's been featured on multiple areas, multiple media, Forbes, MSNBC, Thrive Global, et cetera, as well as being their top global list of top innovative career coaches. She's all over the news. It is my honor to welcome you, Claudia, onto the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Deborah. I'm so excited to be here, especially about the topics we're going to be talking about today.
0: I am as well. And for my listeners, I had the good fortune of being introduced to Claudia, we had an amazing discovery call. And while her areas of expertise, and we do have to celebrate our perspectives and expertise supporting women, women in tech, women of color, et cetera, it is really about the leadership insights and how we can unleash our potential, as well as raise the awareness of people that employ such people, because we can all learn and grow together. So I'm really looking forward to Claudia's insights. So you have the floor, share a bit about yourself personally, your journey and the work that you do now. Thank you. Thanks, Deborah.
1: Yeah, I'm a career coach and I'm a career coach for women in tech. And most of my clients are looking to move to senior leadership roles. And, you know, as the data shows and what we've seen in the workplace is a lot of tech is very male dominated industry, but you know, there's such a gap when it comes to women in senior leadership roles, even though women are more educated. We hold more PhDs, more master's degree based on the data it shows. So I'm really here to help move more women to senior leadership roles that, you know, advocate for, and we definitely are, need more women, especially since they've worked so hard and they have so much value. And, you know, these are you know, professionals that keep getting passed up for promotions and you know just because either they don't know how to sell themselves or they're not finding the right opportunities. So that's where what I do as a career coach and helping them find those opportunities while still getting a salary increase.
0: But I'm curious because I don't think we covered this before. How did you arrive at this area of work? There are many people out there that can use such support. But why this demographic? Just help me to understand that.
1: Well, one thing a little bit of my background my husband works in sales and within tech sales, and I have a lot of friends and counterparts that are within the tech industry. And I ended up working most recently. My last job was at a healthcare, health insurance company, and it was very tech-driven. So I started really realizing kind of like the discrepancies happening, how many people were a little bit intimidated just overall, knowing you know, as a tech industry. And I always worked with a lot of my clients now. And male and female as well. And what I started seeing is a huge discrepancy where a lot of women were graduating with you know, STEM degrees, but they're having a hard time pivoting into tech industry. So they would go to other industries and eventually they'll come to me saying, hey, I've been wanting to move into the tech industry. I graduated with an engineering degree. I just can't seem to break into this overall field. And I kept seeing it over and over again. And as I dive deeper into kind of like the data, it showed, it showed a lot of women graduating with tech STEM degrees, but they were not able to make that pivot. Then when I looked even further, I saw that there's a gap in senior leadership roles. But right now, there's a 75% discrepancy within women in like an entry-level position and then versus a leadership role. Then going into that, I noticed that women do not get promoted at the same rates as men. So the data just stopped. Showing I noticed that there's a huge need happening just overall on you know how to help my clients, which are women in tech, navigate this industry or pivot into the industry overall and how to move into those senior leadership roles, especially when tech pays so much. It's a very well paying field. I also noticed that a lot of women were leaving money on the table overall. It was, you know, it since tech does pay a little bit more than other industries, they're thinking, well, $120,000 $120,000 as a director should be a really great salary, not realizing that maybe their male counterparts were getting paid one hundred and sixty, one hundred and eighty, and sometimes 200000 just because it was, a little, it was so much different than what they were used to. So that's why I noticed a need, and definitely I wanted to help more women move into a very advanced field, which is always evolving, ever-changing, and I know it's going towards the right route.
0: So I'm dating myself, but I got my engineering degree um, in the late 80s. And, you know, there were a lot of jobs. It was before anything went bust. So I didn't have a problem getting a tech job. However, the statistic at the time going to a high, a really great engineering school was there was only about 20% women engineers. And so my question how, and maybe things have changed. I think people say it's still 20 to 30 people are going into it, so statistically going into the workforce, at least in the tech area, but it could have changed. There's fewer of us. So by the time we get to those director roles, there's simply fewer of us. Or have things changed a little bit? Are you seeing more more women in tech? They're just not pursuing it. What, what have you seen?
1: I definitely see more women in tech most recently, especially because there is... Now we have LinkedIn, and now we're able to connect and move people more into these industries the problem comes where they do all go into like entry-level positions and they get hired and they keep moving up but there just seems to be a ceiling it's just I've noticed it by the time it comes to like a manager position they're struggling they're saying I keep getting passed up for promotions you know the person that I hire is now getting promoted and I report to them and what is happening and you know it, there's just obviously there's so many factors it's not like a one solution type of thing but it is making that pivot, making sure that transition to that senior leadership role and understanding that it is a very different game. You know, how you interview is very different as a director versus senior director versus a CIO or CTO and understanding that. And also, you know, I feel like a lot of women at that point have lost confidence. Like I said, they've either passed up for promotions or they realize they're underpaid and undervalued. They're feeling frustrated. They realize that they work in a company that is like a churn and burn. They'll maximize you to your potential and then still ask you for more, yet you find out that everyone is making more than you. And even in one case, one of my clients, she finally got promoted to manager and then finding out that her direct reports were making $50,000 more than her, even though she had been within the company for over 10 years.
0: Now I have to go here because this is a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. There are many root causes. And we're going to go into lack of confidence, losing confidence because they come out confidence. Children are confident in the world. And sometimes over time, things happen and we start losing confidence. I'll just let you know. I have mentored women out of my professional organization, men too, and they can be great at their craft. But along the way, they don't have a coach. They don't have that mentor that says, okay. This didn't work. Let's coach a different behavior, a different approach. And without that support system like you offer it, they regress and retract and they're not visible and that's where the confidence. So our work is to bring that confidence out. But my question, I want to understand a little bit more deeper is how much is it? Because we talk about we need to raise awareness within companies about the statistics and how we can support. But how much is it on the individual? who no longer has either the confidence or the skills that you provide to help them get ahead or how much do you focus on the company because there's this talent pool here and they need to help pull up. Talk to me about both. Where do you see the problems lie on the self or the entities that employ such talent?
1: Uh, Where I've seen it is both. So they are organizations where they would rather hire externally, even though they have talent already internally. For whatever reason. And it's more of helping them build up their current talent pool. If you have a person that's been working at your company for 10 years who has been outperforming themselves, has always good marks, why isn't this person being promoted? Why isn't this person being cultivated? Why aren't they offered the opportunities? And if they don't have maybe some specific leadership skills, why aren't we developing internally? Because there's so much internal knowledge. That every single time, once my client does get a job for elsewhere, and then they tell their company, giving them two or sometimes four weeks notice, all of a sudden the opportunities appear out of nowhere. Oh, we'll give you the title. Oh, we'll match what they're offering. Hey, you know, we'll offer this. Well, it seems like the resources are always there. They're just not given to them as until that person decides to leave. So companies need to do a better job of kind of really developing their internal talents. How can we bring them up? Most people want to continue moving up in their career. And it's part of the manager's job to find out who wants to continue moving up in their career and who's happy and more than okay where they're at. And a lot of my clients have vocalized that they want to get promoted. They tell their managers just the opportunities never seem to come. Other people get invited or get offered those opportunities. They bring in external or they bring their own people or there's a change in leadership and they bring all their friends into these specific roles. So there's a lot of responsibility that does go on the company side now when we look up
0: keep going, yeah, on the personal side, on the individual, they have to own it <laughs> on the
1: individual side, I do see that there are many variables, like I mentioned, and when we look at culture too, when it comes to African Americans and Hispanics, we are taught to be humble, just do your work, and eventually you'll get promoted and that is not how it happens in the workplace, at least here in the United States, and it's really. Teaching them too on how to become more confident, how to brand themselves authentically, and how to be able to do it in a way that goes along with their personality too. It's not just culture, but there's also introverts where you know they don't like to chew their own horn or they don't know how to sell themselves. They don't have that strong skill set, but there's ways to build it and still be an introvert, but showcasing your expertise, your insights, your achievements, and it's almost thinking about and changing your mindset instead of like, oh, I'm trying to like sell myself and, you know, kind of be in front of everyone. It's more of like, let me just vocalize what I have done. This is just data. And I'm showing the data that I've done in the past 12 months. And it just, it's aligned with what I'm trying to do and here are the next steps. So it's more thinking of that as a framework, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to be the loudest one in the room so people will notice me.
0: I mean, I will tell you, for people that have learned that behavior, being the loudest in in the room, either the person with the ideas or the naysayers that are contrary, yes, they're the squeaky wheel, they'll get recognized. But I have found, and I was taught this, either female, short in stature, (laughs) maybe not having the loudest voice in the room, but from a STEM technology perspective, data is our friend. Data levels the playing field, regardless of the egos, how many years experience, if you can, to your point, present information for impact in a way that resonates with everybody, you at least learn how to create conversation and be visible. So data's good. <laughs> being an engineer, being a STEM professional actually can set you head. Being that introvert, thinking about how to present the information can at least give you some credibility and maybe start building the confidence. What I really, and I agree with you, I have talked to so many different groups. There are certain cultures that believe good work will get you ahead, but you also, I think, have to align yourself with advocates or just have great bosses that see your value. But if they don't, and they've lost their confidence, and I don't want to give away your coaching package, what are a couple most popular skills that like out of the gate when you meet somebody have an immediate impact? on being visible, seen, recognized, et cetera?
1: One of the biggest things is, like you mentioned, that by this point, they have very little confidence for many variable reasons. And you know, one of the things that I always recommend is to make a list of achievements. What is your highest achievement? What have you done? And put data behind it. What are the metrics? If you improved productivity, how do you know you improved productivity? Do you know by how much? How long did it take you? What were some of the strategies you implemented to get there? How did you find out or come to the point that productivity needed to be improved? And really upselling yourself is telling a story, not just I increased productivity, but I noticed that, you know, we had limited headcount and we had to increase productivity because we had a reduction in workforce, but we still had to deliver the same output. Therefore, and then kind of going into the metrics within three months timeframe, we were able to increase turnaround time from six weeks to two weeks, all because we streamlined a lot of the processes and we cross-trained. So now we're telling that story and we're anchoring the imagination with data points, not within a time frame. No, within you know three to four weeks, I can visualize that. So we never know who the reader is, if it's a resume or LinkedIn profile or who's interviewing. We all have different, when I say like, oh, I increased sales. You're probably thinking of a number, and I'm thinking of a number, and everyone else is thinking of a different number. So the data behind it really anchors the imagination, and so we're all on the same page. And that's how you can take control of their imagination overall, and you can start taking control of your brand and your imaging and how people are seeing and branding. So definitely making a list of achievements is important, not only to help you rewrite your resume, your cover letter, your LinkedIn profile, but also will help you through your interview like interviewing process, because now you have stories to tell that are connected to those questions, you know, tell me about a time you had to work with a difficult client. Oh, you know, uh, I remember this client, here's the issue that was happening, and you're telling the story with specific data points, but also helps you to uh, identify all the great achievements you've done in the workplace, because we forget so much. I honestly would not be able to remember what I did last week, unless I look at my calendar, and I can kind of recollect. But if you ask me, you know, Claudia, what did you do two weeks ago? Or Deborah, what did you do, you know, two weeks ago on a Tuesday? We probably don't have any ideas. So we need to remind ourselves of all the great work. So That list of achievements becomes that constant reminder of the great work you've done. And we all have so many blind spots that we think, oh, everybody knows how to do this. But when you start looking at it, you realize, hey, I'm actually really good. Not everyone knows how to do this. I'm all people are always coming to me asking questions. So the list of achievement is really great in helping you with your confidence, reminding you, and making you a stronger interviewer, as well as helping you with your branding assets such as the resume, LinkedIn, cover.
0: Such actionable tips, and the way you gave those examples—I'm sure you have like a thirty-second version, a two-minute version—enough information, action-packed resonating story, what's the impact of the work, those are the things that leave you memorable. And even if the interviewer or the person that looked at the LinkedIn profile doesn't quite remember the details, it's the impact that you left on that person for which they might say, you know, I want to talk to that person again. So it's so important. And I'll tell you, I just met with my mentor today before we got on here. And, you know, I'm a little frustrated about not everything is turning out the way I expect. But then he says, Deb, you should look back at all that you've done over the last three and a half years, the book, the podcast, my offers, my website, everything. We have to give ourselves credit and a little grace to say we are worthy of being seen. and We should be confident about all that we've done. Now, I want your perspective on this. We talk about we should, it's important to have more women in leadership roles. But I want to understand from your perspective, why? Because sometimes I think it's more about diversity of thought and vision and personalities for which, yes, we don't have maybe all the demographics physically. But from your perspective, more women in leadership roles, why?
1: It's good for business. It's seen that more women in senior leadership roles have higher ROIs than other companies who don't have women in senior leadership roles. So, there's a return on investment for companies when we do move women more into these leadership roles. Also, it gives insight into customer segmentation or product development. When there's usually all men in leadership, they're thinking from that perspective. When you bring in women into in senior leadership roles, we know our pain points because we all have different pain points and challenges. And all about business is solving pain points, it's bringing solutions. So when you move more women into senior leadership roles, now we're having different ideas to say, well, actually, you know, as a woman or here's kind of like the struggles we deal with. Why don't we continue maybe this additional price offering, this additional product development or this add on that can really help with this specific challenge? So, of course, we want to include diversity, different thoughts. But also at the end of the day, it's just good business. We More women, we bring in more revenue for businesses. We bring more ideas. We bring other aspects of solutions, product development that can go into the marketplace. That's why companies like Spanx. Spanx, Sarah Blakely created a billion-dollar company where she had no experience in, but she ex- knew as a woman what it was to wear Spanx, what she liked, didn't like, and now she disrupted the marketplace and became a billionaire in this industry. She had no background in. Why? Because she had personal experience on that, and she solved. She Developed it with the intent of solving challenges and problems that she deals with on a daily basis when it comes to clothing.
0: You know, I'm wondering here, and this is me just getting more on a personal note here. It is a true thing. I mean, I I have to thank my mother, my mother for having been of a generation for which she might not have gotten promoted because she was going to start a family. It's true, it was there, but in our generation, we have more opportunity, and we definitely need to take advantage of it. Now, when you Come to work with a company that realizes they need to elevate their talent, succession planning, diversity of thought and voice. I'm just curious, is it either demographic, male or female, that may call upon you? And where are they at? Like, what pain are they feeling that they say, I need to do something different? Tell me about what that looks like.
1: So, when I work with companies, they're looking to attract top talent. And they're looking to retain their current talent. And how do you build a talent? Because succession planning has become very difficult for a lot of companies and HR professionals. Because I was reading that, that every day now, around 10,000 people are retiring. And we just can't fill in those jobs fast enough because we haven't built and developed our current talent pipeline. So when companies come to me asking me, you know, how can we diversify? How can we move more women to senior leadership? Because right now, we don't even have that many people to even fill those positions.
0: But do you do it because they have to fill a quota? Or do they truly value their voice?
1: When I work with clients, I try to filter out, especially when it comes to companies, the intent. Is it to fill a quota? Because that's different. I mean, that could be one head count. I'm looking to work with organizations that really want to almost disrupt the marketplace, and because of that, they know that they need to have top talent. And with top talent comes women need to be sitting in those roles. There needs to be diversity around it because it gives us an overall scope. And then that's how we companies can learn how to have that competitive advantage over the counterparts. Not everyone is doing this, so. That's what I look for when I work with corporations and then we look at it. oh and by the way this will help with attracting top talent because there are some clients that I work with where they'll say if there are no women in senior leadership I do not want to work at that company and these are really well like they've produced patents they've been authors they've been industry recognized clients that I've worked with and they look at those things so there's a lot of advantages that come with it but you know the other Bonus, as I, as I said, it attracts top talent. they are able to retain a lot of my clients. Say, had my company, you know, promoted me and given me the resources, I would have stayed. I wouldn't even have bothered talking to the recruiter. And you know, had they given me a ten, fifteen thousand dollars salary increase, never would have talked to anyone. But because the companies are not doing that, they're losing their talent. So it doesn't matter how many great things you're doing to attract top talent if you can't retain it. All of that is being lost in, you know, a lot of ex- revenue or expenses the companies in putting. So not only do you need to attract, you need to retain that talent.
0: I know, and I mean that's a little bit of the work that I do. I know that quite a few people I've mentored ultimately have left because they don't have the internal support system. So I'm part of rebuilding the foundation, rebuilding their confidence, and relaunching that potential that they know they have now. A little bit of a tricky question because I care about all demographics in pursuit of satisfying a need to attract top talent at a company. How do we maintain balance so we don't disadvantage other demographics, a white male, a black male, whatever sexuality it might be? How do we make sure while we are bringing more of top talent that may feed more women, we're not negatively impacting another demographic? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, we're going to look at overall, like, what is it? Who are the people sitting in, you know, in these roles? So let's just say we have all males in the roles. Well, we need a female perspective. Is there someone already that works within the team that has been working, who has been performing really well and has internal knowledge of the company in itself? Is there a way that we can promote, you know, this woman within this role who already, in her writing has expertise, experience, and background?
0: So making them part of the solution.
1: Exactly. So really looking and starting internally, not always saying let's hire externally because there's so much talent already within and how can we cultivate that? How can we grow? It? How can we give them the opportunity? And even just, and I know it's really hard for removing those biases because you know I was listening to a story and like I said, stories are always rememberable as opposed to just a stat or a quick solution. But it was saying that what tends to happen is they think women need to be more complacent, we need to be more passive. And then when a woman is more assertive, we the thought, oh, is she okay? Is she having a bad day today? But had this actually been taken from a man, would this have been acceptable? So before saying, like, well, this person is very abrasive, think about it. Was this a man? Would I think they're abrasive? Would I think they're assertive and they're a leader or have leadership skills? So starting thinking about them you know what, this person is qualified, does have expertise, has really great marks. Why don't we promote her into this role? She's been deserving.
0: And support and maybe help evolve some of the behaviors. But yeah,
1: it's just creating those opportunities. And talent really you have that talent. So how can we build in running And just asking yourself these questions and not just, well, who's the best you know person for this role? Because at the end of the day, if you do have someone that fits one-to-one, everything you're looking for in the job description, that person is not going to stay long in that role because they've already learned everything. They're going to get bored and they're going to start looking. So look for someone that fits up maybe like 50%, 60% because now they have the opportunity to learn that 40%, 50% and that person's more likely to stay in that role longer than the person that does fit that perfect match.
0: You know, one of the things that you reminded me of a tough experience was one time I was mid-career. And I said something. I mean, I didn't even think and I said something amongst senior, you know, people, no peers, senior people to me. And it didn't come off quite right, but I was said what was on my mind. I was direct, nothing disrespectful. But later on, when I was told, you know, you shouldn't have said that. I said, okay. Then where was then the coaching for which either I could say it differently or I later learned in life. If I had a controversial view to what was going to be discussed, might I discuss it with my manager ahead of time to craft a message that might have a different impact? We don't teach people, but to your point, if they have 50% or 60% of maybe the technical qualities, then provide them a support system to maybe evolve the messaging. You talk about that, how to create the story with data, then they rise into those roles with confidence versus we promoted that person and they didn't make the cut, male, female, whatever color they are, we have to support them when we identify and retain (laughs) internally developed top talent. Wow. One more thing before we go. You got a podcast. I want you to tell people a little bit about the roadmap to the executive suite. Who does that serve? How does that help your community?
1: Well, the podcast is intended for that ambitious woman where maybe at the end of the the career they want is fired to get to the C suite. So maybe they individual contributor, manager, director, or senior director. It's really to demystify a lot of the myths that we have because I've seen that a lot of women, from what I've heard, is I don't want to go into the C suite because I want to be able to spend time with my family. Right I don't want to have to sacrifice that. And I've brought in a lot of women that are in C suite roles where they've said differently, I made sure I found the right organization and they still find time to spend with their families. They go with value-based companies and leadership that allows them to be leaders and still be able to spend time with that family. So I want to be able to create and you know show the audience members and anyone that may be interested and it's very career-driven to maintain that ambition and see that if they wanted to go to the C-suite, there is opportunities out there. How can they get there? But also how to find the right ones that it still allows them to do What they want in their personal life, which usually is spending time with
0: family. I love what you said there value based leadership, value based companies. You are interviewing your company, you have to be with them for some time. And if you get a sense your values are not aligned, as much as you can find out, it's not going to be a sustainable process or experience. You've been an amazing guest, Claudia. I appreciate you taking some of my challenging questions because while I might have a different Thought on what are the opportunities or challenges to be able to retain and elevate top talent. I wanted to really appreciate what is current, what is new, what is still happening, but how can we benefit for everybody to gain more confidence in our role and employers think about developing the next layer of leadership? Any last thoughts that you want to share with our audience before we bring it to a close or how people can get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, thank you, Deborah. Well, they can go to my website, claudiatmiller.com. They can also follow me on LinkedIn, Claudia T. Miller, where I share a lot of free career advice, You know how to navigate, especially now in this marketplace, how to stand out, how to create a recession-proof career, and how to find the right companies that are very fulfilling, as well as roles while still getting a salary increase.
0: All right, beautiful. You've been amazing guests. I am so supportive of the work that you are doing to elevate others, as well as educate companies to retain the talent. There are so many people to serve, and I do wish you continued success and be well, Claudia. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow.